Good afternoon, and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So let's get started. Here are your hosts, Laurieann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Laurieann Rising. And I'm your other host, Uncle Mark Olmstead. And today we're talking with a man who's traveled the country asking people a simple question. If you knew someone in your life was going to die tomorrow and you had one last chance to express your feelings, what would you say? Did, did you just say simple question? Yeah. Simple question. I said oh. simple, not ah. easy. Oh, okay. There okay. is a there, distinction there. There's definitely there. a distinction <laughs> there's there. A big I'm sure distinction we're going there. to get into that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that conversation because that's, that's, that's not, that is no simple, I mean, easy question. No, it's I not easy, think. but it is simple. That would, that's, that, but it, isn't it something how the, the questions that we ask tend to be what decides your life? And what, where, where your whole direction winds up going. I mean, it's so cool. I, I love this opportunity to have these kind of conversations with people who really get that. And this is, I'm looking forward to that. Well, anyway. and you know, there's brain science behind that, right? I, I just got it. Oh, the yeah. researcher in me kicks in because I really, because most people don't realize the brain is not able to ignore a question. It just can't not answer it. Hmm. And so mm-hmm. what happens when you ask a question is it will start, noticing what might answer it. Mm-hmm. it it actually kicks in what's called the reticular activator mm-hmm. which is the same mm-hmm. thing like if you buy a new car all of a sudden it's, that's all you see yeah, on the road right, right exactly. <laughs> and so exactly. the question kicks that in so if that's you're so cool. inadvertently mm-hmm. asking things like ah why does something bad always happen to me yeah. that's what your brain's but brain if somebody is you find. knew was going to die tomorrow and you had one last chance to express your feelings what would you say boy oh boy Okay, well, we're going to get into that in just a bit. I, I do want to kind of try to catch up everybody a little bit on my uh, my continuing saga with the downsizing. Oh yeah, um, and that is a uh, saga. Oh, mg, it's it's yeah. I, you know the, the the questions that keep coming up for me are, okay, how can I enjoy this process? Uh, what can I do? So I'm I'm actually using the opportunity to share with everybody the purpose. I, I, I call it my spiel when they show up and I want to hear my spiel. And so I tell them, you know, well, the reason for this is I'm downsizing to move into my fifth wheel so I can get my kid's book on the, you know, we're taking my kid's book and, and Lori's writing on so the road and our, and our radio program. Sailing, I've been doing, I've been doing sales, garage, garage salesing maybe. Yeah, so it's it's been it's been great to be able to talk about and and kind of get my mission sort of refined, you know, with the with the book and and people are loving hearing the story about the sunbeam and how how that how it happened on the sailboat and, and came out and and the, and the opportunities for their kids. It's been good. It's been really a, a great. It's been one of the most the things that I'm selling more than any of my stuff. It, it turns out. <laughs> well, so. you are getting through the stuff though, and the yeah, downsizing has happened. It's it's so a that's, process. That's so, a good thing. So, I, I, but I highly recommend the the uh, personal growth experience of downsizing to anybody. It's, uh, <laughs> you, you get to, to go through fun. and let go of all your old old treasures and hanging on to's and, and find out how many things you're storing that are, that are needing repaired. Oh God, it's incredible how much stuff I have. That's just anyway. 
and you'll, you'll keep on it until it's done. Right? And we're, yeah. we're in progress. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, you know, today we have a guest with us. <laughs> yes, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. So, Andy Shaloff is an American author who left the U.S. to escape the pain of his mother's death. In mm. 2018, he came out with his first book, The Last Letter. It won several awards, and Kirkus Review noticed it's rare that a book succeeds at relating such an intimate personal story while also clearly discussing psychological topics like projection, self-destruction, addiction, self-acceptance, and vulnerability. In that book, he chronicled his journey of healing after his mother's death and invited readers to write a last letter to someone special in their lives during a three-month tour across the U.S. Now he's released The Wounded Healer, the story of that three-month journey, uncovering radical self-love. In this book, he asks people to name the thing that is hardest to say and follow it with, and it's effing great. But, but mm-hmm. I'm sure he spells out the word in the book. But. Right, right. Well, or, uh... <laughs> Or maybe, yeah. Well, welcome, Andy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you doing oh, today? Yeah, it's not. It's not for all audiences. Um, <laughs> but what okay, a great okay. question, yeah. or, or stem, I should oh. say. Like, how? Where did you come up with that? How did that get started? You know. Ten years ago, I met a man named Peter Koenig who has this thing called projection and reclamation work. And my wife and I, who barely would ever do any personal development work together because my wife doesn't particularly like personal development work, she decided to do this training because it was around money. And she Mm. said she's in finance. So she said, hey, let's do this one together. And in that course, he had this really profound thing. It was so profound that it was sort of and simple and elegant that he just had you understand that whatever you projected onto money defined you. So if you said, I, I see money as security, what you unknowingly were saying is I am insecure without money. Interesting. So it's a, it, we, we've gone to a very, We've gone zero to 100, but that's basically the crux of what, what the understanding was. As soon as you like, saw and projected onto something, that something was now outside of you. So he okay, had this projection so, work and he said, now you say, yeah, continue, so please. The alternative, the alternative to that. So if you're not projecting onto it, you are just accepting as you have just seen of- it. So. Well, it would be like to say, it would be like money, and we jumped really quickly to a very direct subject of money, <laughs> yeah, but, but imagine if you, you want to have like, you, you want to like stop everyone in their feet, then you talk about sex or money in, right, in, in the right, room, right, because right. then all of a sudden everyone gets very yeah. uncomfortable. And if you want um, them to but, leave, you go, you go to politics and religion. So. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Right, right. Right. So we'll too. just cover it all in one so, show. Okay. So we're on money. It's good. We're, we're so we're on money. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, this individual said, hey, listen, I'm going to do research. What is money? That was his fundamental question. And what he realized was money was different for each individual because each individual projected a different thing onto money. Oh, wow. So the fascinating realization was that money exists as a construct in people's heads. And it's this beautiful construct because since everyone projects onto it and they project something differently onto it, that then is their relationship with that that piece of paper or 
I mean, less than 1% of money is actually printed. So imagine mm. if all the computers went down on a single day, money wouldn't exist in the world anymore. That's, that's how crazy it is, is that oh, it's, even a, it's a digital thing and we've created a reality from it. But wow, the, the beauty of the elegance of his approach was that what I learned from it was that basically anytime you project anything onto another person or of course on money, then what you're really doing is you're unconsciously creating a reality you're not even aware of anymore. So the, the, the way to make peace with that is to celebrate and to try to get in contact what's going on unconsciously in the back of your head. And some, some people um, have an easier time than others of making peace with in their head and, and everyone is using different tools. And Byron Katie mm-hmm. is a great tool to, to do this work. And this is just another tool in the artillery of tools one can use to settle the voices that are going on. In wow. well, and Byron Katie was the, the program that you guys did? No, Byron Katie is a typical, she has four questions. And what I've seen is that um, I like to mess with my head. I, I really <laughs> do feel like it's a stupid generator of thoughts and I don't take it all that seriously. Oh, I, re- I really don't. I just say, wow, there he goes again, creating an idea of the past or a, a fear of the future. And, 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 I, and I've learned to really laugh at that, that mental engine that goes and just seems crazy to me. I mean, if I look at the thoughts that pop up, if I didn't laugh, I, if I took in taking them seriously, I get, of course, stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, or some thoughts are easier or, or, or depressed or, 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 or a lot of other. Yeah. 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 So, how, so a mat, Yeah. How did you develop awesome. that, I guess, perspective on your own mind and thoughts? I mean, that's, we're so ingrained in them. You, you have to kind of take yourself out and get, you know, a, a third party perspective. I imagine that would take right. some effort and practice, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, how many demons do you have to deal with inside of yourself? So finally, there's like, you have more spaciousness to go into deeper demons, because there's always something in there's, you know, in one box, then you open that box thinking that you solved it. And then there's another box that you didn't see, right? It's like these false peaks when you're climbing a a mountain. So Mm -hmm. I think I, I open enough boxes where I could start taking bigger risks in my psyche because I had a feeling of uh, a strong foundation. And, and that's and the foundation building. I think is is where uh, where that I think where we're uh, where I'm trying to focus today with with the kids' book and with the, these kinds of things. And and but it's. Uh, I would love to have a whole conversation about this. We could, we could, you know, how you built your foundation or things that you recall that, that were important to you in growing so, up or those kinds of things. So how did you build it? I mean, that's what we're here for, right? True. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like, think, yeah. you know, so, so the book, you know, the whole, the last letter, the, the, that book, that, that mm-hmm. was basically, the, that was chronicled my journey up to the point when I had this epiphany that I was going to lose everything I loved in my life. And I wrote my mom a letter and she got that letter and she was killed by a drunk driver four hours later. Oh, so, wow. so, so that, that, that single <sighs> event changed my life forever. Now, how my did, dad, wow. did you know that was going to happen or no, was the no, timing no, just no, perfect? I mean, you, well, you know that's going to happen. That's, I mean, what, exactly. What you you don't know. About real, coming to a place yeah. where you realize you were losing everything. I didn't know if that was 
related or something. Well, you know, you know, out of all the crazy things that one does in life, as a freshman at university, I took a sociology of death class. Mm. Oh my goodness! I'm in that I'm in that class, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're dealing with the existential issues that, at you know, how old I was, 18 at the time, I started to really think through. Wow, if I really look at life and I think of everything that means something to me, then that stuff is not going to be there at some point. And then my Mm. mom was the thing that really hit me hardest because my they divorced when I was 10. My dad was a piece of work. You know, he had all the all the diagnosable, you know, bipolar and who knows mm-hmm. what other things. So mm-hmm. he was really hard to be around. And I really needed my mom in my life. She was my rock. So when she died at 18, my life was really emotionally over. Because mm. when, when, you, when you're that in need of that support and it's taken away from you and, you know, you have this, you know, I think in a lot of times we, we live in, you know, I always used to, there was like the day before and then the day after that event. And I'd look at all the other people and how carefree they were and how they just lived almost in, with this sort of feeling like life was endless. And from mm-hmm. that moment forward, I couldn't, I couldn't go back into that other state of mind where just everything felt abundant and life was great. I just, I lived in misery. And are you saying that you were in the class when this happened? Yeah, I was in the class. So that's kind of what my the letter then for you. Is so so part? part of the assignment, or probably class assignment even no, or something. No, it, it wasn't was, even a class assignment. It, it was just, even, it was a oh, compulsion. Andy. Yeah, it was Andy, just a compulsion. Okay. So, so you spent a lot of time then in the, in, in like an awareness of your spiritual kind of connection to something there, obviously. There, there is, is that? I, I, I was always... I was always more sensitive than others for okay. sure. Okay. Okay. So, you know, everyone liked at the time to look at it as a metaphysical uh, moment where I was touched and given this opportunity. Mm. I could tell you, I couldn't have cared less. Like mm. I, mm-hmm. I didn't care yeah. that yeah. I wrote the letter. I right. lost the woman that was most important to me. I, yep. you know, she knew yep. I, and on one level, I knew she loved me even if she didn't get that letter. Mm. So, mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Mm. It was almost weirdly offensive when people would try to read into it because I'm in utter misery. And then right. I have people yeah. consoling me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like, no, just I actually longed for people to cry so I could feel my own pain because with, with them unable to feel the pain, their pain from this event, I now couldn't feel mine. I was shutting down emotionally. Mm. And um, uh. And that happened for years. And you were 18. Like 18, talk about yeah. Energetic, pivotal, foundational. Yeah. And that's, that's hmm. you mentioned leaving the U.S. in order to deal with your mother's yeah. death. And yeah. where, where did you go and how? Yeah, where did you I mean, decide? I, you I, mean, I just left it. From it so, so it was like, it was like it, you, know, where, you know, it's kind of weird because, you know, when you're a kid, you, you want to belong. And I, I was in a fraternity, it was UC Irvine. So being in a fraternity there, there wasn't a fraternity house, but there was a sense of a community that was taking care of me. So when I left, as a, I decided to go as a junior on an exchange program, which I went to Australia at that time. And I went there and then I did a year and then I said, I'm taking another year off. Like life is short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked on a sheep and a cattle station for some months. And, and Whereabouts? Uh, it plays out of a place called Baraba. 
which is in between New South Wales and Queensland. It's sort of Tamworth oh. is the okay. is the closest big okay. city. Oh, yeah. I'll be tired. All right. I was I was yeah. hanging out in um, Coffs Harbor. Oh yeah. You remember okay. Coffs Harbor? Yeah, oh, of course I know Coffs go. Harbor, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So I um been... yeah, I did that and I basically decided to live. I remember really deciding to I knew that life was short and I thought, you know, I don't want to live with regrets. So I just started doing the things that, uh, that I wanted to do. And it caused wreaked havoc in the family. My dad disowned me. And mm. he said, you know, cause he said, you're, you're shucking your responsibilities to life. So basically we didn't speak for 10 years. Cause he said, you know, wow. you're out of my life and so on. So wow. it, it was a At gift. Yeah. It was a oh, gift yeah, yeah, because yeah. on a weird way, you, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we never can underestimate having these people that are not a positive influence in our lives, mm-hmm. how much they influence us. So the greatest mm-hmm. gift they can sometimes give us is kicking them out of their <laughs> yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Which is, Make yeah, me go away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's not a thank you that comes right away, though. Yeah, but yeah, sometimes it's not. those presents are a little bit difficult to open and get to the uh, gift. Yeah, it's yeah. good that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. So well. Yeah, so I, I traveled I traveled for the next 30 years. I traveled, lived in six countries, speak a handful of languages, and I basically just I, I call myself a fugitive of love because basically I'd always find another person or woman or something. And and I could never really keep a relationship because I never really grounded the energy in myself. I was never fully loving who I was. So it was really hard to love another. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot of years to, as I speak now, I have to allow the pain to come up again. It, felt, it took a lot of years to love the incapable person in me so that I could actually love another person's incapacity. Mm. I've heard these lines, this, this, this line somewhere. It's like, oh, no, we'll, 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 uh, we'll play a song later that might, that might have something to do with this. But then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So was there, was there a, turning point uh, you know during your mm. travels where you really needed to kind of go hey wait a minute this is me and i need to confront this or was it kind yeah. of a gradual yeah. process yeah that, well that was so dad kicked me out i was scared and, and and anxious because now i was living really on my own i couldn't fall back on anything i felt very alone and i ended up going to switzerland uh on one of the fugitive of love uh, of experiences and, it, and, and Switzerland was a really hard place for me to live because there's a lot of emotional shutdown in that country. Um, and I, uh, I ended up going with her to, to Vienna, Austria. And I weirdly got a job in, a, in marketing, which I had no experience in. And I became a director of marketing for a computer company, which was just the most absurd twist of events from a long-haired hippie in India to this other life. But what happened was I did that really out of fear you know, I, I loved the marketing. It was really interesting, but it was out of the fear that I needed to make money to survive. Mm-hmm. And after eight years of doing that, I was looking in the mirror and I just didn't like who I, who I was becoming. You know, I could feel this. I, I remember asking myself, if I died today, would this be like one of those lives when you watch a movie and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, that's an incredible life. And I'm like, no, that's not the, that's not the life I want. And it took me you know, the, the golden handcuffs, I was getting paid way too much money for something that was easy for me to do. And, uh, and, and I, I got a wake-up call. I got a mentor who really kicked me in the butt. And he, uh, and he forced me to like, say, hey, is the money worth the 
pain of not living in a joyous life. Mm-hmm. And at some point I made the decision, I actually sold everything I owned, um, really everything. And then I moved to uh, live in an attic space in the middle of Amsterdam where there was no electricity or heating or water. And, and I was in heaven. I mean, oh, wow. absolute heaven. <laughs> That's awesome. So from this very, like this, you know, director of this company and everyone thought self-important, I thought self-important too. Now I'm really a peasant. If you saw me on the street wearing the same clothes day after day, you'd walk on the other side of the street or something, you know, and it was the best. Absolutely. Wow. They had good weed though. Yeah, they still do. <laughs> <laughs> it was always, wow. the Amsterdam was, was quite an experience. I, I remember I, the family. I, 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 yeah, no, that's right. That's right. No, I, 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 I've heard. No, I'm right. just yes. talking about what a right. I've taken a few, Amsterdam. I've taken a few uncle Marks to the hospital in my time here. Let's oh, say that. Uh, <laughs> no, there's uh there's, there was quite a bit of traveling that I got to do in Europe and, and mm. Amsterdam was a pretty, uh, uh, uh it, not for that reason. I wasn't that wasn't yeah. anything that I was in, but but um, there was some really amazing out there kind of energy, and it was. Yeah. I mean, I, it just is fascinating though that you went from country to country, and you were able to do that with work that you would find as you traveled, and just yeah, whatever. you you sort of figured out. You know, it's like anything in life. Like jump off and jump in the water, and then you'll learn how to swim quick. And I think I, I think that. the whole thing is people don't they, they they don't jump. They're looking over. They're on the they're on the board looking over, saying, "Wow, why would I jump? I don't have any idea how to you know deal with it when I get in that water." If you just jump in, you'll figure it out soon enough. And exactly. just that's how I. Uh, Exactly. You're summing up our life. Do you play an instrument? Do you ever? Did you ever busk on the? Yeah, I used to play. I used to. Yes, I used to play the saxophone. No busking, but no, I used to play the saxophone. That's how I paid for two months of traveling in New Zealand and Australia. I worked a freight ship down there and and uh, took my guitar and backpack and and that's how I got to see Australia. No, I'm I'm afraid no one would have paid me for it. They'd pay me to stop for sure, but not to play. Well, either way, you'd still be making money. So that's true. There you go. Oh man! Whatever works. That is cool. So, do you talk about some of your um, your travels and stuff in the book as well, or different? Yeah, the the first book, the the last letter is really the thirty years between my mom's death and me leaving to take this trip uh, to the U.S. So, the second book is just basically the continuation of the first book, Mm -hmm. which is really really beautiful that they dovetail to to one into one another. Oh, awesome! And the and and this and the and the kind of the beauty of the first book was that I wrote the first book under the covers, sort of on my honeymoon, on my iPhone. So the whole book was written on my iPhone, and wow. the um and the thing that was unexpected was that when I gave it to others, I had an expectation it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do well, just because I think in some ways I always diminished myself, but still do. But I always thought, you know, I'm not that good a writer. Um, who would want to read whatever I have to say? There's so many people with so much more compelling stories than I have. Like everything that everyone else has said in their lives that doesn't think they're the, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah. I, I've, I spend a, a little over 10 years as an author coach and every single author I have ever worked with has had those exact thoughts. Every single mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. And they go on to be bestsellers, do amazing work, 
people love it because those are the stories that need to be heard. So I'm, I'm so yeah. glad you got yours out. That is awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. And really I think awesome. the thing, the thing that I, I stopped doing was I stopped trying to make a story and I just allowed the story that was there to be expressed. Mm-hmm. In some ways we're, we're trying to create a story. We're trying to make it sound good. So other people find it more appealing. And at some point, I just thought, you know what? This is the story. It is what it is. I don't need any more than that. Right. And that's uh, wow. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm gonna. We, I'm, I'll, I'll take that as permission. Then I, I appreciate that because yeah. <laughs> well, we, we yeah. definitely want to dive in more, especially into yeah. uh, the the second book. And and I know one of one of the things you talk about is radical self love. I want to get yeah. to that too, but we do need to take a short break. Um, so I, I just want to take a quick moment to remind listeners that if you or someone you know has written a book uh, that can help the world become a better place, we want to know about it. We have several ways we're helping authors tap into a worldwide audience of readers and even become a guest on the show, just like Andy here with us today. So visit riseandshineasone.com to learn more. And I was referring earlier to a song that I think is gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit more about in the second half here. Uh, We'll come back and hear that song called Love Yourself. Right after this. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book Award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com.
realize that love is here to stay Meditate and celebrate Getting out of your own way Listen to your heart to hear The message of your muse Administering internally Your remedy for the blues You'll the way to love yourself Love yourself Cause when you love yourself Then you can love somebody else You gotta love yourself Then you love somebody else All I need is always with me All along the way And a brand new choice is offered to me Each and every moment of the day it on the news a recent finding just released the remedy for the blues won't be in no drugstore and you won't find it on the street 21st century diet plan to make your life complete just learning how to love yourself love yourself cause when you love yourself then you can love somebody else you gotta Navigate the steps You'll be seeing how you orchestrate the test Showing you the way to be your very best So that you can really love somebody else You gotta love yourself Always gonna love yourself Cause when you love yourself Then you can love somebody else Somebody else You're listening to Rise and Shine, and that was Love Yourself, an original by Uncle Mark from his One Piece at a Time CD. You can download a single song or the entire album at truesunbeam.com. And we are here with Andy Shalef. Shalef. How do you pronounce that, Andy? Any way you want, Uncle Mark. Oh, that works. Okay. <laughs> and it's spelled C-H-A-L-E-F-F in case anybody's looking for him. And we're talking about his new book, The One, the Wounded Healer, <laughs> the Wonderful Healer, uh, Wounded Healer. And I'm just loving this. We're, uh, we're going to have to get some more talking about this book, though, and, and uh, some details. Um, what's... Yeah, you, you, this book is more my understanding. Feel free to correct me. Mm. You, after the first book, The Last Letter, you came to the States and did a three-month tour asking people that very important question and so the wounded healer is kind of about that three months is that correct yeah it, well it, it it became something curious it was it, it it was basically 30 years after my mom had been killed by the drunk driver mm -hmm. and i thought you know i ran away from the pain for those 30 years and the fact that this the, this first the, the last letter had done so well i wanted to commemorate it i wanted to do something beautiful 
and I just told my wife, I'm going to do a three month tour of America. I mean, when the, when, when's the, when's the, what are the odds of me writing a book on my iPhone that's going to do that well? That was just didn't make any sense to me. So I, I just, you know, I, I kept my chips on the table and said, let's continue this. And, um, and awesome. what I, what I real, what I realized was on the trip, I wanted there to be an, another element to it. So I wanted to test and experiment and try some things out and not just do the letter writing. Cause the letter writing of course was a challenge. Cause every time I asked a group, I did that 60 times in mm. three months asking groups if they'd be open to writing a letter to a loved one as if that might be their last. And that, that was, that was emotionally and energy consuming. It was, it, it was exhausting. And there was an, there was a funny sort of part of it because each time I'd go to each location, I didn't know a lot of these people. I would meet them for the first time and then we'd go, you know, 10 minutes later, we'd be in the most intimate setting, having a really intense experience together. And what I wanted also to do was to give people a little bit of feeling of letting go of whatever it was they were holding on to. So there was the aspect of writing the letter itself, but then there was another aspect, which is what about that stuff that's stuck inside of you where you haven't made peace with it yet? And it was sort of early on in the trip, I decided that I was going to utilize that tool that I'd been learned using for 10 years, this projection reclamation work, and, and kind of put it on steroids because my friend would always say, it's okay, it's okay. And when I, what I saw with it's okay, it was like I was making peace with something negative, but I was still managing it. On one level, it was like, it's okay. My mom was killed by a drunk driver and it's okay. There was mm -hmm. an aspect of it, which is just pacifying a negative thought in my head. So I said, wow, there's another level to this. And, I, and I, it was a discovery I actually made during the trip was that it was like, you know, well, they'll often talk about neural pathways that, you know, your neural pathway is if, if you have a connection to that thought that remains negative and you manage it as a negative thought, that neural pathway mm -hmm. still stays in there as a right. negative thought. Mm -hmm. So I said, what if I just, and I, as I spoke earlier, I love messing with my own brain. So I said, what if I just said, whatever the thing I resist most in myself and it's effing great and actually go almost like on a wondrous journey of how far are people able to make peace with the deepest, darkest things that they're experiencing in their brains. And, mm. and I was utterly surprised that it was working. Like, it was working like, in ways like that I'd never expected. Like you're asking, how is this the best thing that could have possibly happened? For instance, there's one of the questions that I've, well, I've run across and, sometimes. Is, is, there, is there a difference? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now when you're asking me that question, you're asking it like as a logical construct, like Andy, explain to me logically why that would be good or better. And what I'm telling you, this doesn't work on a logical level. This is on a cellular level. This mm -hmm. is like, you have to experience it like, oh, that's what it feels like. You have to allow yourself to say, um, I'm on a show and maybe no one's going to watch this damn program and it's effing great. And, and, and like every time I'm doing my own work, like <laughs> this might be, okay. this might be, this might be the worst, this might be the worst, uh, uh, like 
I might not be able to articulate myself and I might look like a fool and it's effing great. And there's, there's like a release, a freedom, a flow, and it just finds its like way into your laughed. system. We yeah. just laughed when we said that, when we, when yeah. we, it, it came through immediately. I, I completely just got it. What you're saying and the difference between how is this the best thing that happened being like a logical construct, totally get it now. Okay. So, so what you're saying basically is you're creating, I'm hearing anyway, uh, a bridge directly to your emotional uh, being and connection. Like you're, you're, you're bypassing the neuro circuits essentially out of the logical and, and going straight to the emotional uh, value in a moment of life, basically, right? I mean, whatever, whatever that moment is. Am I hearing that? That's it. That's it. And, and you feel it like you, it's not, so you'd say, well, that's not true, right? That's the initial reaction. That's not true. So in Mm -hmm. a weird way, you tell yourself a lie so that you can feel the deeper truth. Because if you you think you have to make it true, then you'll never experience it. The truth is, is that you get to feel it and allow it to feel, fill your system. Yeah. Mm, Wow. Oh, that is really beautiful work, man. I'm, this is very cool. I'm loving this. I mean, and just to share the beauty of this, like, cause you know, the second book, you know, I, 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 I'm very big believer in surrendering. You just surrender, Mm -hmm. you do and prepare and whatever it is, it's perfect. And I really feel that way. A lot of people Mm -hmm. don't, they, they speak it. I really live this. And, and, and there was this beautiful thing that transpired because because of this this sort of exercise, which is done 20 times throughout the new book, and there's different archetypes. And basically, everyone can identify with those archetypes because they're inside all of us, of course. But people now are using that hashtag, and, <laughs> and it's been used like just today. There's over 50 people that have written these these statements online of the most intimate details of release and just celebration of the things that they haven't been able to make peace with. Nice. Wow. That's I'd love to read. I'd love to. I'd love to read a few of these to you. Sure, if you please. Cool. I got hit by a car almost four years ago, and I still have daily pain, and it's effing great. Mm. I haven't had sex in over ten years, and it's effing great. I uh, I wasted so much time looking for the true religion and it's effing great. I'm invisible and it's effing great. The planet is littered with lost civilizations and we're next and it's effing great. Wow. My toxic trait, I set unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for others and get mad at them when they fail and it's effing great. So yeah, it's just mm. statement. I suck with finances, <laughs> and it's been great. It's I mean, great. so and oh, by the way, yeah. so this is all done to these. Everything I read to you is today. So this is basically mm. just everyone has just found the celebration and the thing that they're resisting inside of themselves. And I've just been loving, and and it settles me because when I read those, I also say it's like a mirror for me to say, where am I making peace or not making peace with any of the things that I've, I've um, read. Mm. This, this is, I'm just, I'm hearing this as love, loving yourself, like 
activated. It's like mm. you're... So, you're, is this what you mean by radical self-love? Yeah. I mean, yes. To make that's, peace that's, with those yeah. things is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because because how do you you know I haven't had sex in over ten years and it's effing great. Like how do you how do you like you know you're judging it, you -hmm. know you're shamed about it, you know there's twenty thoughts you have on any given day which are not positive and you think so. The fact that you allow yourself the freedom to fully make peace with that it frees you up again just to be present with whatever you're present with. You're like oh. Like I could say that and there's something freeing and letting that go. Oh man. Yeah. That is just really powerful stuff. I feel like, and, and even just envisioning it, it's like, I feel like some kind of a, of a release in like your neck or your like, you know, like physical, your, your mm. muscles kind of just, yeah. you, you get a tingle or something that just kind of releases when you, when, when you can relate and connect with that. And it, and it's it's physiological. I, I, yeah, it's really physiological. That's the way I would ex- describe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very you know, cool. do, you, do you run into people who, I mean, at some level, it's going to be a struggle because you're kind of in that anyway. But I know, like, in preparing for the show and getting to know more about you, I, I came across that. And yesterday was in incredibly difficult day for me so I tried it a few times and there was a part of me that felt it and there's the other part of me going yeah right yeah. <laughs> and so I yeah. got stuck somewhere in between and so, to and be so honest. she's so, not so, head focused at all no yeah. no that's, yeah. well, fo- follow me here okay now this is where it gets really fun so as soon as the one thing you can't make peace with it shifts to the next thing you can't make peace with and then you can celebrate that, then you're feeling into it. So if you're like, apparently, I'm not even able to do this simple exercise and it's effing great. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's a step I missed, absolutely. Okay. You see, okay. see the, yep. the, the, the thread you're pulling is not the thread to resolve the issue. The thread you're pulling is the thread to say, I'm not letting my brain take control. Mm. How much can you laugh at yourself and get pleasure from seeing how absurd it is that we're floating on this planet in the middle of a universe, which is apparently existing with just some sort of random act of whatever? <laughs> like, that's wild. Like, how did and now and now we're taking the thoughts in our brain that seriously? That's like, wow, no. The, yeah. there's a crazy <laughs> right. there's a craziness in that very much so oh man so yeah. insanity defines our species is basically yeah, well, yeah. And, and then we impose the insanity on everyone else and we say this is what the culture looks like and we forget the fact that that was imposed and not not necessary if we had free reign to do what we want of course it'd be uh you know anarchy but we would at least have or there may be we don't know that even but we would at least have the freedom to not be feeling guilty, feeling stressed out, feeling, you know, just you could, you could look at our society, how we've evolved and see, wow, maybe this wasn't the smartest way given where we are today. And that's what I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are reevaluating. Education mm-hmm. systems, economics, all of this is being called into question more and more now. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. Well, and maybe that's largely because it has been so head focused yeah. And maybe less physiologically, for lack of a more accurate term, focused 
yeah. you know, if, if, we're, if we're not feeling good about something that our head tells us to do, but we go ahead and do it anyway, I, that's, that's not working out so well, I think, in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, it's, if we're so out of sync with our emotions, it's easy to make really bad decisions. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Better, much better put. Yeah. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm one who, I mean, I was trained to ignore my intuition as a kid. And I oh, think wow. that was fairly common for the time period. And I, and mm. I get the sense that at shifting, we're coming back around. There's a lot more acceptance, at least in my circles. So maybe I'm just surrounding myself with that, which is great. But that feeling sense, I'm seeing more and more research that shows the heart knows before the head does and knows in advance of what, like the heart tells the future, so to speak. They've been able to measure it and study it and document it. And so that place of let's get heart centered and vulnerable and emotional is absolutely vital. And I love that you're bringing that to the table. And I, and I caught part of your talk show podcast uh, the other day as well. A wonderful chaos is, is what you call it. And I notice yeah. you start the show that way, like this beautiful mix of vulnerability and humor. And I'm curious, does that, did that always come naturally to you? Or is that something you've deliberately worked on? And You're going to laugh. It always came naturally, but for different reasons. Because okay. I was always really sensitive as a kid. And the only way I could cope with my sensitivity was to make fun of the things I was observing. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, if I see someone avoiding a problem or something, I would then have to make a joke like, oh, yeah, I see you don't have a problem with that. Just something <laughs> to get it, just to get it out of my system. And, oh, um, gotcha. and my mom used to nickname me, I was called her little Esther. I use S as a phrase because we might have children listening, but that was her little Esther. And I think at that time, or I know at that time, it was very much a coping mechanism. But in, 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 as I got older, I, I began to see, oh, so humor often calms and relaxes so you can get to much more deeper, more intimate areas because if you laugh, you, there's less protection. And, and mm-hmm. there's a fine line. Some people use humor to deflect emotion because if it's too mm-hmm. intense, they usually mm-hmm. crack a joke so that we don't have to feel the emotional pain of whatever mm-hmm. is being dealt with. But there's another way of also using the humor to even make a more intense emotional experience because why would we deny what's really going on here and why would we judge it as anything but beautiful anyways? And there, there's sort of a, a freedom in letting that emerge, I found. Mm, that's Absolutely. beautiful. Oh, that's goodness. really beautiful. Well, and uh, that's probably along the lines. It's it's so cool. How how old were you when you were getting these kinds of? I mean, oh, I was young. I mean, you know, you, from the time I remember it, I was just always a more sensitive kid, right? Well, it's it's pretty clear that you've taken that work to the next level. And I, I'm just I'm some of some of the ideas of. Um, like loving yourself. I mean, I really, I think that that's such a core foundational piece that is so missing in our society, but you know, maybe a, an idea, how do we know when we really love ourselves? 
I, I would have- say, I, you know, I think it's kind of almost, I've often found, it, this question is also, I've had the similar answer to a similar question about what's happiness. And yeah, for me, right. you don't get to happiness. Happiness emerges. And, and mm. I see happiness emerges when there's nothing that takes you away from happiness. Because let's just say mm. happiness would exist if we weren't getting pulled away because of a thought of the past or a fear of the future, whatever comes into our minds. So when, when, I'm, when I'm looking at when does self-love like manifest, it's almost like when there's nothing that stops you from loving yourself. And the thing that would stop you from loving yourself is anything that pulls you away. Like, you know, I'm not a good parent. So, you know, when, when you know, I, I don't know any parent that doesn't often also think I'm not a good parent. That thought mm-hmm. doesn't come into their mind. And so I've often seen if you can't embrace that and just with the, with the reclamation, we just say, I'm not a good parent and it's great. I'm mm-hmm. not a good parent and it's great. Like you can feel <laughs> yeah. like not trying to defend it and not trying to be a good parent really paradoxically makes you a good parent. That's the absurdity of it. By, mm-hmm. by loving yourself for not being a good parent, you actually become a better parent. Mm. Mm. The well, reason is simple, well, because you're not yeah. defending yourself anymore. Yeah. So just more self-acceptance really is, a, it, it's coming down to this, this the sort of changes yes. we might be seeing is like the exercises, seeing ourselves not running those put down conversations as much um is there a uh a training program that you have figured out or, or like just other you know than just practicing just, that just is tape you that know. phrase on your mirror I think. and, and right. yeah you can, everywhere. there's a there's a few um if anyone has any interest they could always reach out to me there's a few people that i know through this peter koenig character he's a wonderful man in switzerland and he's very He's, uh, he's as subdued an individual as you might imagine who doesn't really, mm. you know, you wouldn't expect him to teach anything that would, would have a, this profound a thing because you just look at him, he's simple guy, doesn't really, you know, almost doesn't take himself mm-hmm. seriously at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he does a program. And I, know he, I know there's a few programs surrounding him. So, of course, I'm happy to, to push people in the right direction. Yeah. Super. Wow. Well, and you, I understand That's you're awesome. doing some workshops coming up. Or yeah, I've de- or, yeah. I, I, yeah, I decided to do basically four workshops, one every month for the first month of the or first three months the book has been out. So it's just um, people are invited, it's free. And it's, it's the reclamation work we've now discussed in a group over it was I did it for 90 minutes, I saw it really required two hours. So it's a two hour session. And it's just a beautiful opportunity to do this work with uh, other individuals. And I try to make it experiential. And so people can, you know, I break in into groups of two and people have an opportunity to start with the easier phrases. And then we come together and then we go to a little bit more, more intense phase. And yeah, that's all on um, my, uh, my website has all those dates on it. And this would be for people who are looking for just basically letting go help uh, it, it, you know what it, it, could, or... it, it could be anybody who wants to mess with their brain just oh. an experiment <laughs> <laughs> just i mean oh, wow. I, I don't i don't actually want it to be too heavy like you know try it out see how it works feel what it does to you and put it in your toolbox with the other five things you might be using to deal with sort of daily daily struggles one might have or awesome. you know just the play you know i mean yeah. the whole thing is 
I think our brains, as I said, are just these sort of things that have evolved. We're not really aware. So each tool will teach you something new about how your brain works. And I, and I don't think you really learn unless you experience it because reading about it is very different than experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I've seen, and this is the unfortunate thing about learning, is we convince ourselves that we know the experience before having had it ourselves, and then we don't have to have the experience. It's a very, oh, it's a, it's, 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 yeah. it happens so, too often and it's scary because we, we really delude ourselves that we, we're really command of our own thoughts and thinking and so on. Wow. Man, well, so, this has this been awesome. amazing, but we are getting to the end of our show. So I just want to make sure listeners know where they can connect with you and even get a copy of The Wounded Healer. Because I know there's, at least at the moment, it's just 99 cents or something on Kindle. So where can they go to find that? If you you go anywhere, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, even local bookstores, they'll they'll uh, that's carried often there because they have this sort of network that it gets delivered there. So great. Well, we'll we'll make sure there's links and stuff on our website for you and that'll make it easy. So man, oh man, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys. (laughs) Much. Yes, it has been. Great to be with you. It has been. Thank you. Yeah. Well, before we go, I want to remind all of us that Uncle Mark and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, musician, innovator, or comedian whose perspective and message challenges the norms to open up hearts and minds, please reach out to us. We want to support you by helping you be seen and heard by our worldwide audience. So just visit riseandshineas1.com and click on contact us. So thank you again, Andy, for joining us. And also thank you to our listeners. It takes all of us to make this show a reality. Lorianne and I work behind the scenes 40 to 50 hours each week to connect with guests, market the show, get the prep work done and follow up on everything that needs followed up. And so all of us make this show a reality. Lorianne, uh, she's mainly in charge of that side of, a lot of that side of things but but and i'm very grateful for her but but guests contribute their time and energy and resources into being prepared to deliver their wisdom insights and all their gifts from from the heart every week but without you our listeners there would be no point in any of it so we rely on you being here and thank you for your listening so if you're enjoying the show and you want to support us even more there are a few ways we invite you to do so Share the show with just three people you think might appreciate it. Leave us a review on the platform that you're using to listen. And then visit riseandshineas1.com and click on the fan club icon there and contribute less than a cup of coffee a month, just two bucks. Helps us keep the show going, gives us your, gives your exclusive you get all kinds of access to, to other <laughs> other stuff that's going on behind the scenes, the content that we've set up for you there, as well as your own personal satisfaction in knowing that you're helping us make a positive difference and you're making a positive difference every week. So thank you again for joining us. And so take action today. And remember, until next week, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise, rise and shine. shine. Thanks again, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Oh, no, the joy is not-